Good morning and uh, welcome to Race Industry Now, the weekly webinar series from ePartrade presented to you by ARP, Performance Plus Global Logistics, Peak Ferreira Racing Components and Fifth Third Bank Motorsports. I am Francisque Savignan, the founder and CEO of ePartrade, the global platform for the performance and racing industry. This is episode 439. We're going to be traveling to the UK to talk with the people from Halo by Orthen, and we're going to be talking racing brake fluid. With me this morning are Judy Kin, the co-founder of ePartrade, and a wonderful host, Mr. Brad Gilly. Judy. Thank you, Francis. And I do know that today we have an impressive list of attendees joining us, both buyers and suppliers from all around the world. So I'm very excited and I just want to remind everybody, you are welcome to log on to this platform, see all the companies showcasing their, their you know, they have new products or services out there. Um, and I'm promising you, like this last two weeks, we have signed up about 15 companies. So we have a whole bunch of new suppliers that have jumped on board. I'm really excited to start showcasing them on the newsletters. Good to see you, Brad. It is great to see you both as well and uh, thrilled to be back here in 2024. It's just wonderful and absolutely looking forward to it. And, and I love to hear the wonderful news, Judy, 15 new people in the last week. And 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 why not? I mean, I think we've all seen over the last several years how much ePartrade has grown and how the performance and racing industry just literally can come together in one place right here. And it's that's fantastic news. Great to hear. I think we've got our guest on, so we have limited amount of time. So, Brad, you carry on. Awesome. Thank you very much, Francis. Thank you very much, Judy. We appreciate that. And looking forward to today, as Francis said, we're going to go across the Atlantic to the UK. Today's webinar, Break Fluid, The Hidden Performance Advantage by Hallow by Orthene. And uh, I do want to remind you that at any point during this webinar, if you have a question for any of our panelists, feel free to type it into the chat and we'll get as many of your questions through as we can. And we've got a lot of great things to talk about here today. Joining us here on this webinar, Lloyd Kerr, the director, Dan Stafford, chief development chemist, Steve Jay, technical director, and Darren Law, the team owner, team principal of Flying Lizard Motorsports. And gentlemen, I just want to thank each and every one of you for being here today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Brad. Thank um, you. Big privilege to be here. And thank you to Francis and Judy for putting this together as well. It's great. Yeah, this is wonderful. Uh, Lloyd, uh, let's just go ahead and start with you. I know we have a lot of things that we want to talk about with our topic here today. I, I love on the website, um, th th there's just a motto right there, drive fast, break last. And I think that's volumes of everything uh, about when it comes to brake fluid and braking technology and all of that. But Lloyd, if you would, just give us a quick overview of uh, a couple of the things that we're going to be touching on here today. Yeah, thank you, Brad. Um, so we're going to be touching on more of the technical aspects rather than the the, the business. Um, I'll be doing the boring part. So the history, just where we come from, and a little bit about Halo before handing over to to Steve and Dan. Um, so Steve will be talking through the uh, breakthrough basics and fundamentals. Dan is a lot more closer to the development side um, and Halo. And thank you, Darren, for for joining us today. Um, great for you to be be here and share your experience with um, the Halo product as well. So that's it's good. So we've got a bit of a slide deck to go through. Brad, is that all right to pick it up now or how do you want to play it? 
Yeah, that would be fantastic. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to sort of, I, I always love it when we have visuals to look at and everything. It certainly helps paint the picture and tell the story. So uh, that's wonderful. I'll let you take it away. Excellent. Brilliant. So just to talk through um, then, so on, on the um, panel from our side, just myself, uh, the heading up the Halo program, but importantly, Steve Jay, who's had um, over four decades in uh, racing brake fluid or in brake fluids, most of which of that time he spent at Orthene. Um, what he doesn't know about brake fluid is, is nobody's business. Uh, Dan Stafford, the chief development chemist at uh, Halo. Um, Dan's working very closely with so the likes of uh, top tier teams and performance OEMs. Um, so he's trackside and visiting these guys, coming back, back to the lab, develop, developing, innovating, improving. Um, and then, of course, we've got Darren Law, who's very kindly joined us, um, a team principal, as you say, a 24-hour Daytona winner and a Halo advocate. So um, that's who you'll be uh, presenting today. I'll, I'll be doing the uh, very quick and easy part, just a bit of an introduction as to, to Orthene. So... Orthene was established in 1976 by my grandfather. Um, he was previously working as a chief development chemist for Castrol. Um, that's where he actually developed the very first DOT4 brake fluid formulation. Um, before then, realizing his expertise and setting up a setting up Orthene in 1976 with one core focus, and that was brake fluid. And really, the business model hasn't changed in over 40 years in terms of just one core product, and that is brake fluid technology. So not many people, or hardly any people, have heard of Orthene um, at consumer level, but many of the consumers would be very familiar with the brands that we produce for. Um, so it's a private private label model. Um, we supply over 300 brands. There's approximately 20 million, 20 million litres produced every year. Um, again, that's obviously not all racing brake fluid because this is also road car application mostly. Um, and again, this is a, a, a laser focus on brake fluids. We don't dabble in anything else. So over the last two years, um, since the beginning of the halo journey, this has come off the back of really a, a feeling of disconnect between the specialist and the consumer and what really happens down at the paddock, what really happens on track and, you know, right at the coalface and so we've been embarking on a journey with a, a very focused team working with multiple performance oems and uh, top tier racing teams from you know north america europe uk australia asia um understanding their needs and we called it the halo project and we've subsequently launched our own halo brand consumer facing brand with a top flight product called p1 which is cutting edge technology it's as a result of all the information we've, we've gathered it's been tried and tested and again i'm not going to steal uh, dan's thunder and darren's and the rest of it they'll talk into the technical details um it's a, it's a single product for now it's now out in the market it's about four weeks old so it's very fresh um, but it is is designed and formulated for the top end top flight racing so without going into much more detail i'm hand over to you steve to go through some of the more fun the fundamental side thank you lloyd and good morning good afternoon or good evening depending on where you are in the world it's great to be with you brad and the team appreciate that as thank lloyd you, has said you. yeah good as lloyd has said 
I'm going to give you a little bit, try and give you a little bit of general background, a kind of introduction to brake fluid, if you like. We enjoy talking about brake fluid, to be frank. Being brake fluid specialists, you can understand it if we say that we don't think it really gets the awareness and attention it deserves as a safety critical product and critically in this field, a source of comp potential competitive advantage. I'll try and keep this brief and to the point as I'm apt to ramble, so forgive me. Um, the other thing I'll perhaps just ask for forgiveness up front is I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence. We'll keep it. So apologies if it seems too basic, but long experience has showed that people's experience of brake fluid and knowledge of can vary substantially. So it's best not to make too much in the way of assumptions. Um, so key functionality as a product, what job does brake fluid do? What do we want it to do? Well, what we flagged up here are three key roles a brake fluid does. As a hydraulic fluid, it transmits pressure. Um, we have to remember that in the simplest brake system, indeed to the most complex, uh, brake fluid is the link, the essential link between your pedal and the wheel brakes. And if it doesn't do its job, your brakes won't work. That's true even in these days when the link is beginning to be broken with electronics. Further down the system, you're just as dependent as on, on that liquid to carry the pressure into effect and do your braking for you. Uh, similarly, lubrication is, is a, a very important role. Brake fluid's got to be a good lubricant if the system is not going to wear prematurely or if seizures to be avoided neither recommended uh, when you're on the track. And lastly, it's a general principle that we look to brake fluid to protect the system. Uh, this, this involves that it's not only compatible <clears throat> with all the materials found in a brake system, but more than that, it actually keeps the componentry in good condition over the anticipated working life of both fluid and system. Let's have a look at these in a little bit more detail. Firstly, pressure transmission. I, I suppose the first thing is a hydraulic fluid. The first thing we want from brake fluid is that it's incompressible. Um, you might say, well, I thought all liquids were incompressible. Well, not quite. I know sometimes we're told that at school. Um, and clearly liquids don't compress like gases do, but they do compress, especially under the sort of pressures one would find in a hydraulic system or indeed in a brake system. Um, and the more compressible that fluid is, the less efficient your brakes are going to be. I mean, that's a pretty obvious statement, I guess. But uh, we can speak about the stiffness of an entire system. <clears throat> and you can imagine it almost like a spring. and if you, if you imagined that your brake fluid suddenly turned to something very compressible, you can, you can see that your pedal would feel very spongy and that a lot of the energy of your foot would be used up compressing the system rather than applying the brakes. That's why compressibility is so important. Um, of course, there will be many factors at play in a brake system <clears throat> that will affect its compressibility. Uh, there'll be the hoses and there'll be expansion of various other componentry, but it's perhaps slightly counterintuitive that 
brake fluid, as it's quite a big volume component in the system, can actually make quite a significant difference to your overall stiffness. So we're looking for incompressibility. Um, now, in terms of conveying pressure efficiently, you also want to make sure that your fluid is in the right viscosity range. By viscosity, we mean how resistant to flow is it? How thick is it? Clearly, if it's too thin, you can get wear. If it, oh, it may be even leakage. If it's too thick, your brakes will be slow in applying and slow in response and possibly slow in letting go. So it's critical the viscosity is right if that pressure is going to be uh, transmitted effectively. And finally, the system has to be effective with, um, I'm going to say with air and its relationship with air, because air is a great enemy of any kind of hydraulic system. Um, the product can't be allowed to foam. It can't be allowed to develop bubbles or entrain air, and it certainly shouldn't release air suddenly. Clearly, if air is in your brake system, as we all know, um, then the, it suddenly becomes very compressible and uh, can do really nasty things to one's lap times, confidence, and indeed brake system. Um, and while we've been speaking about compressibility, we really want that compressibility to stay as constant as possible across a temperature range and uh, indeed in if under under all circumstances which we're asking it to operate in. Well, moving on to the question of lubricity then. As you can very well imagine, there's a lot of moving components within a brake system, things sliding over one another. Uh, and the brake fluid has to facilitate this uh, without wear or undue heat being created. Now, I'm old enough, as Lloyd's already alluded to, to remember that uh, days when we were really worried about metal to metal lubricity, when we had uh, clutch tests, I can recall those with uh, where you had a, a nasty combination of a steel piston inside an aluminium cylinder. And you, if you weren't careful, you could get steps worn in the bore if your uh, brake fluid wasn't good enough. Well, the good news is that hardly happens these days because componentry is just so much better. Um, there have been, I don't, can't, I can't go into the metallurgy of it, but uh, that's the case. But these days we're very, very concerned with metal to rubber lubricity. Now, again, obviously there's a lot of rubber seals and critically here in our picture, we can see a Bosch ABS uh, pump and ABS system. Rubber, I would go as far as to say that rubber lubricity has become a very much more significant because of ABS and ESP. And indeed, as we move on a wider field towards full wet brake by wire, where, you know, you are asking electronics to do a lot of the controlling of the brake fluid. In a simple illustration, I think our friends at Bosch, whose product appears in that picture, uh, have indicated that if you think about it in terms of the, the distance a seal must travel. In, when ABS was first introduced, perhaps the lifetime travel of a seal might be five kilometers. <clears throat> Sounds like a lot, but there's a lot of cycling there. <clears throat> when the first ESP systems came about in uh, probably the mid nineties, it had gone up to 20 kilometers. Now they're talking about a mind-blowing 1,000 kilometers 
as, as everything becomes more driven by electronics and cycle times get faster and faster. Okay, so that's not strictly racing, that's uh, general control systems, but increasingly ABS systems are being used in racing vehicles, so the point holds true. And then if we move on to system preservation, you've obviously, <laughs> sorry, I should probably comment on that picture. Yeah, not a very pretty picture, but that's what happens if you get it wrong. Um, and I've seen worse than that too, but uh, we haven't got time for that. Uh, clearly, in a brake system, you've got all kinds of different componentry, different materials. You'll have aluminium of various alloys. You'll have steel. You might have cast iron. There'll be copper, brass in various forms, maybe bronze. Zinc will almost certainly be pleasant as plating of some kind. And more exotic systems might have titanium or even magnesium, which is quite challenging. Um, and that's just the metals. We've got the plastics, that's polypropylene, polyethylene, polyalamas, and we'll have rubbers, EPDM, SBR. You might have exo something exotic like Calres. Um, you'll have Teflon. And the fluid's compatibility with all these is critical. Um, it must work with any of them as individuals, and it must work with them as combinations too, which is quite a challenge for metals when they're all in electrolytic contact. So fluids must be formulated um, to prevent anything bad happening and make sure that the good parameters are preserved. Rubbers must swell, but it can't be too much. It's got to be within very, very limited um, uh, tolerances, shall we say. Uh, metals mustn't corrode or worse still, react to produce gas. And yes, that does actually happen on occasions. Um, plastics mustn't craze or weaken. So that's a quick overview of those three roles. And it's got to do perform these three roles. If we just move on to the next slide, it's got to perform these three roles under quite demanding conditions. We all know about the heat. Say there, we say they're the enemy of braking of uh, braking systems. Well, so it is in a way. Um, we all know about the extraordinary temperatures which can be experienced in racing. Uh, unlike the other worlds we operate in, you know, more conventional technology, be, be that uh, passenger cars, light vehicles, military or what have you. Um, in racing, you know you are going to see very high temperatures. And this heat is detrimental in at least three ways. Firstly, and most critically, if your brake fluid gets to the point, the temperature, where bubbles begin to form within it, this has exactly the same effect as the presence of air. And that is your brake fluid suddenly becomes more compressible. And ultimately, if it continues, you may lose your brakes altogether. A very frightening and potentially extremely dangerous um, occurrence. We call this a vapor lock. Uh, and brake fluids accordingly must have a high boiling point to resist this. Um, there's sometimes a little, uh, sometimes questions asked as to why do you use boiling point if what you're worried about is vapor lock? Well, vapor lock is actually very difficult to measure in the laboratory. We do do it, of course, but there's lots of different ways of doing it. Boiling point is much closer to an absolute, so we tend to use that as an analog for vapor lock. Another damaging effect of heat is oxidative breakdown. As your product gets hot, reactions occur, which if you haven't got the right inhibitor packages in there, can start to reduce the effectiveness of the brake fluid. And then less critically, uh, you've also got uh, 
the effect on viscosity. Frankly, viscosity is more relevant on the next slide uh, where, where we've spoken about heat, but that, um, I'm not sure it's actually from last week. I believe it was the Swedish rally last week. And the temperatures I'm told, I haven't checked, were running at minus 10, could have been quite a bit lower. It was a uh, perhaps a, a warmer rally, I'd venture to suggest, and sometimes. And clearly, at these temperatures, the brake fluid still got to work very effectively. We've spoken about viscosity. Clearly, the product can't freeze. If it freezes, you'll have no brakes at all. But similarly, if you if you're if it becomes too thick, and if you're used to seeing brake fluid at room temperature where it slops around, it's quite something looking at minus 40. It looks like golden syrup and pours out like it as well. And uh, you can't afford the product to get too thick or your brakes will hang on. They'll be slow in application. They'll be slow in release, which is absolutely fatal if you're after a fast stage time. So it's got to work over a, a broad range of conditions here. And over the years, Four types of brake fluid, if we just move on at this point to the next slide. Thank you. Um, four types of brake, main types of brake fluid have become, <clears throat> shall we say, uh, tried. I, I don't say that's exclusive. I'm, I have heard reports of other things being used. I've heard reports of shampoo and uh, among other extraordinary <clears throat> creations being used. Not in racing, I have to, I have to say, but... Uh, <clears throat> Broadly, we have four types of brake fluid before us. And if we just do a quick comparison of these, you may hear them called different names, which we haven't got time to go into now, but we'll refer to them as this for the moment. Well, the first one that we can review is the question of mineral or petroleum-based brake fluid. Strictly, this isn't actually a brake fluid. Because it's not compatible with standard brake system rubbers and requires specialist rubbers, it isn't really used as a brake fluid. What it is used as is a central hydraulic system fluid, which on occasions powers the brakes as well, but not in racing. I'm unaware of anybody using mineral fluids in racing, so we can just put that on one side at the moment. Silicone fluids are perhaps more similar to mineral. They are, however, compatible with conventional rubbers. Um, they offer a number of other advantages. They are they're very high boiling point. They don't absorb water. They're a brilliant preservative. If you want a fluid to keep your the inside of your system looking like jewels, that's the, the silicone's your man. Um, but so in many ways they're ideal, but there is a big but. They while I have some great advantages, they also have very significant disadvantages. They're, not, they're more compressible, so they feel spongy. They're not good with air. They can't absorb water. While that's an advantage in not reducing the boiling point, um, it means they can't accommodate water very well either. And lastly, they're a poor lubricant. So while they have been experimented within the racing field, and I wouldn't say they never will be again, generally they're not used for racing. Which leaves us with those two products for racing borate ester-based fluids and silicate ester-based fluids. And just before we go into the uh, details of these, I think on the next slide, we can see that we have, uh, which might be, might be helpful just to, to go over for clarity. When we talk about borate ester-based fluids, 
you might wonder what's the relationship of this with the well-known DOT3 grade, DOT grades, DOT3, DOT4, DOT5.1. Well, broadly, all these fluids are based on a combination of three things. Glycol ethers, glycol ether borate esters or other esters, and polyglycols. The ratio of these three will differ depending on whether you're looking at a dot three, a dot four, or a dot five point one. But our point for today is that when it comes to racing, by that stage you're looking almost entirely at borate ester based, uh, a borate ester base. So when we, so from this point in our discussion, we will refer to borate ester based fluids. We're not leaving the other ones out. It's just that when it comes to racing, the polyglycols and the polyglycol and the polyglycol ethers are of less significance. So if we just go back to the question of <coughs> borate and uh, silicate esters, bracing fluids would generally be based, if we can just move, move one slide on there, um, bracing fluids would generally be based on one or other of these. Uh, it would be fair to say that most racing brake fluids are actually based on borate esters rather than silicate esters, and there's a reason, uh, there are, I would say, compelling reasons for that. Um, but both these bases can make very good, effective uh, racing brake fluids. They have the necessary uh, resistance to heat. Um, they have the necessary compatibility. In fact, all the uh, stars line up, you might say, for them. and um, they are, as I say, both capable of providing very good service. However, we, in our view, the borate esters offer more than the silicate esters um, and are ultimately superior for several compelling reasons. Three main reasons, in fact. Um, they are lubricity, compressibility, and the way these products react to water. Lubricity, as we've said, <clears throat> is critical when it comes to ABS systems. And it's of note that the makers of ABS systems recommend the use of borate ester-based fluids within them. Um, and uh, the, the, those guys really are in a position to know. Um, certainly, according to our data, borate esters offer a definite advantage when it comes to lubricity, which in an ABS context can mean the difference between success and failure on the track. Um, compressibility, borate esters offer a small but significant advantage if you are capable of formulating them in the right way, which my colleague Dan will no doubt wish to say more about. And lastly, the way they react to water is is quite is quite critical here. Um, both products will absorb water, unlike the silicone and mineral that we have spoken about. They will absorb very different amounts, but it's the way they actually interact with it that's important here. And in our opinion, um, the borate ester fluids are more forgiving and in in a way that perhaps one struggles maybe a little bit with a silicate ester. You could say, all right, you're biased, but not really, because 
um, we've had, you might say, well, we have a choice in terms of developing P1. It's a question of, well, what's going to be the most successful technology? And that's the way in which we've moved. Um, so, as I say, that's a very quick canter through um, of something about a little bit about the uh, background of brake fluids there, Brad. Um, I hope it hasn't been too uh, toe-curlingly boring. Um, much more might be said, um, and we could talk about this for hours if we wanted to bore everybody rigid, but if anybody wants to get in touch, we'll be very glad to continue the conversation. Otherwise, I'd propose to hand over to my colleague, Dan, who will tell us a little bit more about Halo P1 specifically and its development. Thanks, Steve. Um, so it's over to me, the technical doc guy, to make the sales pitch. So it could go a bit wrong, but uh, I, I endeavor to uh, talk you through our product and tell you a bit about it. So Halo P1 is a very high performance brake fluid um, and it's designed for top tier track and rally applications. It's not a road fluid. Um, as Lloyd said, we've had many years of producing racing brake fluids and been working closely with some top tier teams over the last two years to develop this product um, to bring it to market. Mm -hmm. Next slide, please. So what makes Halo P1 a unique proposition and why should you use it? Well, the two key attributes along the top are, are basically purity and polarity. Um, with purity, um, the raw materials of P1 are extremely pure and we go for a multiple uh, puri purification step of some of the raw materials to ensure uh, they are very uh, pure before we even uh, start the reaction process to make the product. Um, so when we react to uh, the two or three or four components together to make the brake fluid, um, it's it's very very high purity um, and and we do that because basically the impurities degrade the performance um, they tend to reduce uh, the boiling point and and they will lead also to instability or oxidation or any kind of breakdown at high temperatures um, because they can generate amorphous general um, amorphous uh, structures so we ensure we get this high purity in the product from the get-go um, and the polarity um, the product we we we've come up with is generally very polar um, polar fluids or polar molecules don't like to um, occupy the same space so they resist being compressed um, and this is why, as uh, Steve's mentioned before, we can generate a very low compressible fluid over a wide temperature range. Um, this is very obviously very important in racing applications. So next slide, please. This is best illustrated in a graph. You can see a, a sort of graphical re representation here. Um, one is showing Halo P1. The other is a market leading uh, racing brake fluid. And this basically uh, is, is showing um, the master cylinder piston travel on the left and the temperature along the bottom in Celsius and also Fahrenheit. So you can see with the P1, um, we get a very nice flat response um, in terms of temperature as the temperature is increased the pedal travel or piston travel of the master cylinder remains relatively static. You don't tend to get um, 
much increase in movement until you get very high up in the temperature range. With a market leading leading product, this is obviously uh, shown uh, it's it's increasing. Um, so it has much uh, well it has quite a lower compressible uh, more compressible fluid. So you tend to get more pedal travel as the temperature increases. Next slide, please. So as we as i mentioned before the has been mentioned halo p1 has the highest boiling point of any racing brake fluid on the market um this is obviously very important if you want that nice flat and even temperature curve across a, a wide temperature range you need a high boiling point to to make that happen as steve uh, talked about one of the really important uh, aspects of a brake fluid in general, but also um, particularly now a racing brake fluid is lubricity. Um, particularly, as Steve mentioned, we're, we're seeing ABS entering into the racing arena. Um, this is more prevalent in racing brake fluids is lubricity at high temperatures, not, not just at low temperatures. So when you're pushing up the extremes of temperature, things like seals um, in boards will expand and you'll get a, a, a higher frictional force between metal and rubber. So it's very important that you maintain or even enhance lubricity at high temperatures. So with the Halo P1, we've made sure that uh, we've actually reacted a, uh, a, a special chemical into the backbone of the product to ensure it has very high lubricity at high temperature it's particularly important with your um you know the abs systems and to get you know consistent caliper caliper rollback you know during your racing uh, activity so next slide please so the benefits on track is consistency um you'll see this in the telemetry um um of you know of the uh, the systems coming off the car so your corner off the corner with the p1 you'll see a very consistent graph um with brake pressure and pedal travel um and this is uh independent uh, to a certain extent to a greater extent on the temperature that you you'll see within the brake system because the products were able to cope and keep consistent at very high temperatures um, compared to other products on the market so what you'll see is very nice even graph as the driver applies the brake pedal and goes through his braking event and then eases off um, as he's finished that um, as as we all know we're racing these days it's all about uh, consistency and keeping uh, you know a smooth braking event as you're getting into the corner um keeping everything nice and smooth and consistent and with p1 being very consistent in its uh attack um and when you're pressing the brake pedal uh, it's 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 very good for that the other um aspect is obviously because of the very high boiling point it's got extreme resistant the fade so if you've got very very high temperatures in the brake system if you've got certain tracks with high braking events or if you're coming into you know the pits or if you've got hold times in your race event where you're getting a lot of uh, thermal heat transfer from the metals into the brake fluid the p1 will do a very good job to resist that and so when you go back out on the track the p1 will you know 
operate in the same manner and you'll get the same consistent feel of the pedal um, which gives the driver good confidence to go out and, uh, and uh, race hard and the other thing that's very important because of that high purity uh, of the raw materials and, uh, and the way we construct the product it's very durable so lap after lap you'll get very consistent results you know it's particularly important obviously in things like endurance racing um, where the brake system will stay very hot for a very long period of time so you can rely on the p1 to give you the same results you know from the first lap to the you know several hours into the race it, it will remain the same um, same sort of feel and performance so i will now hand over to our relatively tame racing driver who will talk uh, a little bit about the product he has a lot of experience of testing this product in and various different scenarios so i'll let him explain from practical experience about the product and uh, what it can do for you in your racing uh, systems all right thank you guys um first off let me just start by uh, i appreciate you guys having me on and and i'm happy to talk about the halo product because we have done quite a bit of testing and quite a bit of running uh i do want to say that don't expect me to speak from the the technical side like steve and daniel i'm not going to talk about chemical structure or polarity or anything like that uh mine is is real practical and actually um it it's real life testing um so to kind of go back for, to the beginning here we got in touch with lloyd early on um back in at the end of 22 um and we decided we talked about the product heard about it it's always interesting for us to try new things because they're like they said there really hasn't been anything new on the market there's pretty much a standard that everybody uses in the racing industry these days so um to try something new is is uh we're always looking for the advantage from a race team uh for those that know flying lizard we've been we've been in the business for over 20 years we've been to Le Mans we've won Daytona um we run GT cars uh we ran in Europe last year in SRO World Challenge we run Lamborghini and IMSA we we run a lot of different cars mainly GT cars and in today's racing as everyone has mentioned uh it's it's maybe not in Formula One or, or IndyCar, but pretty much everything else runs an ABS system, all GT cars, whether it's WEC or, or SRO or IMSA or DTM, all of them are based off of their GT3 and GT4 cars are based off of an ABS system, which uh, produces a lot of heat. Uh, we are seeing more brake wear than we ever have in the past. So, so um, this is an area that is, is interesting for us to try. So uh, we started this whole process with Halo and and conducted a test uh, using a Super Trofeo car, which is uh, over 600 horsepower um, ABS system. Um, uh, and we we ran a very controlled test. We took a specific, the leading market fluid, um, ran it for multiple sessions. Um, we tried to keep everything as consistent as possible. Same fuel loads every run, new tires every run um new brake pads uh to start each system and then we ran it through different paces got the brakes very hot once we had completed a run or the first run with with uh the one fluid then we switched over to halo and we drained the system 
uh, bled the ABS system and did the exact same test. We gave it its own set of pads so it wasn't tainted from the earlier test, its own set of tires, and ran through the exact same scenario. So sp we spent an entire day running through this, and I came away very impressed. I actually drove the car. Um, I have a long racing history, and, have, and like I said, been to Daytona, Le Mans, and everything else. So uh, it was it was very interesting to us and showed a lot of promise. We we ran through multiple runs uh, with the fluids. Um, we monitored everything. We had um, we had thermal regulators checking temperature on the pads, on the rotors, on the tires, on the on the uh, calipers. We measured distance traveled, not only measured through the um, through the master cylinders, but also we gave driver feedback on everything. And the things that really stood out to me, which which were very impressive. Number one is the actual, I guess you could call it the compressibility of the pedal. So uh, as, as temperatures got up and things got hot, um, the, the braking pedal actually really does get mushy for most, for most of the fluids that we've run. When we ran the halo, it stayed at a very hard, solid pedal, um, which number one gave the driver, myself, gave us confidence in the ability of the car to stop. Um, we were able to increase our um, decrease or keep our braking distances similar rather than, than having a longer distance because of the, the pedal and the, and the fade. Um, and uh, and it, it, was, it was quite the advantage. We actually saw a lap time advantage, a performance advantage. So we saw a lot of things that really stood out to us when we ran this test. So from that point on, uh, we took the halo fluid and we ran the entire 2023 season with um, different manufacturers in different types of cars in different types of races. And uh, we have had a great experience so far. Um, we have not seen any issues with any any type of failures. Uh, the pedal is is a is a much better feel for the drivers. It inspires confidence, especially for uh, the amateur drivers who are are working with pros in pro-am type racing. So um, it's been a really good experience and we are moving on to incorporate uh, the halo fluid into other uh, vehicles and different programs we're running this season. So, um, you know, the, the thing for me is that this is, this is real life practical testing. It's not, uh, not to knock anything from the engineering side or the or the chemist, but uh, it's not somebody saying, "Hey, this is going to do this, and this should work well." We've we've done the test, and we've seen the heat, and we've got the data to prove the results. Wow! You, <clears throat> I'm sorry, lawyer. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just um, what's incredible, and especially with what Darren was just saying, you know, not only do you have the research and everything happening in the lab, but you have actually have it happening on racetrack, and uh, and the results. Uh, prove what is proven in the lab as well. I think that's wonderful, Lloyd. Yeah, sorry, Brad. I, I was just um, going to thank thank Darren very much for, for all he's what he's doing and has done. Um, conscious of time, and I want to leave enough time for some some questions. So I, I'm conscious we're a little a little adrift, um, but I just want to pick up very quickly on a point that Steve made about um, anyone on this call that might have specific questions or any challenges. Um, you know, our door is open. That's the, that's the purpose of Halo is connecting you with us. Uh, as the specialist um, to help you, I appreciate this web. This webinar has been fairly high level, so please send us send us through questions if they're not answered here. 
Yeah, for sure. You know what? And, and I do have a couple for you, uh, if you would. And let me just uh, really compliment you. I mean, what an amazing presentation. Um, and that was incredible just to, you know, have a great understanding of exactly what we're talking about, exactly what Halo offers and everything. And uh, true compliment to that as well. Um, question, why does brake fluid have wet and dry boiling point? What does that actually mean? Go on, Steve. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Okay, I'll take that one then. Um, okay, well, very simply, dry boiling point is boiling point straight out of the box. Um, it's just as you would get the thing out of the can. That's the dry boiling point. Why is it called dry? Because of the contrast with the so-called wet boiling point. Wet boiling point is not strictly a test that's really relevant to racing. It was designed as a measure of how well the, the boiling point holds up in service. Brake fluids are hygroscopic and they absorb a certain amount of moisture over their service life, which is one of the reasons why they're changed in ordinary driving. And the wet boiling point was designed to give some idea of roughly what your boiling point might be at the end of let's say something like two three years maybe something like that these days with the more advanced hoses might be a bit more like three four years uh, as i say it's really irrelevant to uh, a racing context where you're changing brake fluid uh, very regularly i mean our experience with the top teams is not only do you change it sort of as you go out you may do hot bleeds as well to uh, make sure you've got absolutely the very best you possibly can. So it really is something that doesn't uh, affect racing so much as uh, maybe it would just ordinary driving for you and me. I don't know. Does that, does that help, Brad? Does that kind of specify uh, the difference? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and as a quick follow-up, you spoke about the different types of brake fluid and their dry boiling point uh, during the presentation. Is there a significant difference in wet boiling point between all of them? Huh. <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, yes, there is. Um, well, first of all, the I, I will I will just touch on mineral and silicone. They those things have very very high wet boiling points <clears throat> because they don't absorb any water at all, essentially, and that is an advantage and a disadvantage. So yeah, they have very high, genuinely high wet boiling points. Uh, unfortunately they're not really used for racing so that that's why we perhaps just put that on one side if we look at the fluids that are used for racing <clears throat> and this is this is actually a really this is a really interesting thing uh borate ester based fluids will absorb more water than will uh silicate ester based fluids and if you use the same test method to analyze both, you will end up with silicate esters having a very high wet boiling point. Unfortunately, this is misleading because the test was simply not designed for silicate esters. And indeed, if you look at certain specifications, it specifically excludes anything other than the normal borate esters, glycol ethers from the test. In other words, they're admitting, look, it's only meant for those ingredients. What you would see when you actually do this test in a context of vapor lock rather than boiling point, or uh, you see that the silicate ester based products tend to have an early onset of boiling 
in the wet boiling point test, which lasts for a, a minute and then fades off as the water is effectively removed in the test. Now, clearly that's not going to happen in practice. So I guess I'm taking perhaps a rather long roundabout way to say that if you look at the theoretic, the theory of it, or you just take the the test results, silicate ester wet boiling points will be higher than borate ester. On the other hand, if you're interested in real world performance with wet fluids, then borate ester will outperform silicate ester in our opinion every time. Um, of course, in fairness to both of them, it's not it's not really relevant for racing, as I say. Is that at all intelligible? I, I'm sorry, I'm not very good at putting 100%. these things over. <laughs> no, no, 100%. And I know we are running a little bit short on time, but I do want to ask this, and 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 maybe Darren might be the best one to answer it. I don't know. Anyone jump in. But uh, from the chat, how long should a racing fluid be used in a track car? Well, for us, um, and I, I'm, I'm not, I don't come from the mechanic side, but we change fluid every race. Um, we, we bleed it every uh, prior to every race, so we do not leave it in for very long. It depends on the level of racing, probably club racing. You can leave it in a bit longer, but from a pro racing standpoint, we are constantly changing out the fluid. And like Steve said, sometimes we'll do it in the middle of a session. We'll bleed the system hot. Wow. Uh, and, and, and I think that's a great fair answer, um, you know, based on what you do. And uh, obviously, um, other people who do other forms of racing uh, can adjust accordingly. Uh, a final question. And, and another thing I want to compliment, by the way, the packaging, the logo and everything, it honestly, it just looks cool. Uh, I, I think that's wonderful. But we do have some people asking, where can you buy it? Is Halo P1 already available to buy? Thank you, Brad. Yeah, only just. So it landed in the States four or five weeks ago um, from, so it's available through SRI Performance in Mooresville and through Her Racing Products in Illinois. And then you've got the European distributor Advanced Performance Products in Netherlands, serving the European market. And then we've got race parts uh, in the UK. So head to the website, it'll, it, it'll guide you from there. Uh, that's wonderful. Uh, Lloyd, Dan, Steve, Darren, uh, really can't thank you enough. This was truly informative and uh, really appreciate what you did and just a fantastic presentation. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, th thank you, gentlemen. Absolutely yeah. right, Brian. Brilliant presentation. And thank you, Lloyd, for putting everything together and Andrew and Hello. So this uh, webinar has been recorded. It will be distributed later on the Portrait platform and through our uh, social media channel. Don't forget to check uh, Hello's products back on the homepage of the Portrait platform. Next week webinar will be on engines. We'll be talking cylinder heads with Curtis Boggs, the founder of Race Flow Development. For more updates and resources, please visit www.eportrait.com. Thank you again and goodbye. Thank you. ePartrade is a digital platform that we've created basically to make life easier in the business community of auto racing. ePartrade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier. When you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on the request more information and then from there it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. ePartrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. 
Land speed record holder George Poteet's speed demon rocketed 481 miles per hour at the Bonneville Salt Flats. You don't go that fast without ARP fasteners. There is no way that we could go the speed that we've gone, the number of times we've gone, with a lesser quality bolt than ARP supplies to us. And we absolutely wouldn't be where we were today if it weren't for ARP. When failure is not an option, it's ARP-Bolts.com. We're Performance Plus Global Logistics. Our team of dedicated performance industry and logistics experts get valuable cars and components to the track on time in top condition. We provide expedited logistics solutions for the performance industry using direct routes instead of deferred options and communicate all necessary information to the appropriate resources to meet regulations and ensure a smooth transit and secure delivery, both domestically and internationally. And we exceed customer expectations by providing best-in-class service with an efficient and cost-effective system in place. Contact us today to book your next shipment. You work as hard as your truck and you have no time for downtime. That's why more truck owners trust Blue Def, America's number one diesel exhaust fluid brand. Each batch is guaranteed pure, so you can avoid costly repairs caused by inferior DEF. Demand America's best for your truck. Blue Def at Blue Def Platinum. Put trust in your truck. With roots in the Midwest that date back well before the Model T, Fifth Third Bank has a long history of serving the needs of automotive companies. While much has changed over the years, our passion for helping businesses put cars on the road and on the track has not. Today, we are more committed than ever as a member of SEMA, a founding member of PRI, and a sponsor of multiple race teams across several racing series. For over a decade, Fifth Third Bank has been a staunch supporter of our industry and a great partner for many companies in the motorsports field. Our business has been growing extremely fast and really we could not be where we are today without Fifth Third. They provided amazing strategic advice, the capital we need to support our phases of growth. They are true partners for me now and what they do with their involvement in motorsports is untouched in this community. Where can we take your business? Fifth Third Bank. Where will you find Ferreira Racing Components? Circle Track, Drag Racing, and any top race shop. In every form of motorsports competition, our valves and valve train components deliver race-proven design and technology. And we've brought that same performance to our street applications as well. We're backed by five decades of experience, an extensive range of off-the-shelf components, and our custom valve department has the fastest turnaround times in the industry. Ferreira Racing Components. Stand with us or race against us.